0: And welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, the Damian Abraham. And your other host, as always, is the Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Good, damn. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm, I rushed you on the air because there's, like, all these things I wanted to talk about. But I'm like, fuck, we're gonna have to talk about them twice if we talk about <laughs> them before. Like, I've got... You know, like I got, I got stuff that happened today that I want to talk about. You know, I, you and me both went on trips <laughs> Yeah. that yeah. I was going to ask you about beforehand, but I'm like, no, I'm going to, then I'm going to have to ask you about it on the air. So I'm like, I'm <laughs> just save it all on the air, Chris. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, first of all, how are you doing, bud?
1: Good, man. Always the same. <laughs> nothing, nothing to report.
0: Uh, Well, there is something to report because judging by this non-existent social media, uh, but you were away.
1: I was away, correct, yeah. Um, Just a little weekend trip, but I was in New York for the weekend. I was not, was it this weekend was the Misfits or no? I think it was, right? I think it was. I was joking that that's why I was there, but I was not there for that. Um, But yeah, no, I didn't, uh, nor did I see a Misfit around town <laughs> um any any misfit of any kind although ironically enough um <laughs> as as a strange twist of fate would have it uh i arrived back home on sunday and i could have i believe it was sunday played if not it was saturday but uh michael graves played uh, essentially locally where i am <laughs> yeah and uh it was uh yeah it was interesting i didn't get a chance to go out but i saw some things like I have a friend who did sound for important and stuff and it looked uh, like you would expect. But yeah, so weirdly enough, I make a joke about not seeing Misfit, but I could have seen, you know, quote unquote, a Misfit uh, in my neck of the woods even. Was it packed? Uh, I was busy. I don't know if I'd say packed. It's not a big, wasn't a big place, but, uh, you know, busy enough. I, I believe it was a Sunday though, so I, I'm going to give every excuse in the book as to probably why not do you remember the Michael Graves Daily Show clip? I think this came out. We talked did we about not this, right? We talked about this last week, I think. Yeah, was it last I, week. I yeah, if not, it was—I don't know—it was recently, but um, yeah, I, 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 I must have seen it because I watched that show. We did right watch up. it on
0: the air, I think, if I remember correctly. Now it's all coming yeah. back to me through the haze of cannabis and concussions.
1: <laughs> but I—I uh, I think I probably watched it at the time, and then I saw it again. We re-upped on it, whatever, last week yeah it's it's strange <laughs> it's strange i you know what I haven't heard a
0: single report out of that Miss It show at all. It might have not been the last weekend i feel like it
1: like i feel like I would have heard something although yeah. we did know we i believe we knew someone who was going I thought dave was going um so i don't jasmine know. was I don't going know. too who was going
0: jasmine uh recent guest oh, okay. uh jasmine because uh she was uh you know, going with Doyle, her sister, you know. I think they're yeah. married to Doyle, obviously.
1: <coughs> dude, so a bunch of the former show? guests. was in Jersey or New York? It was it in was New, New, Jersey. New Jersey. I'm just trying to see if I can find the actual... No, it's this weekend, I think. Wow. So maybe that's why.
0: There's, like, a lot of weird shit about that show, dude. Like, the promotion of it. Like, they're, like... Featuring original lead singer Glenn Nantig, original bass player, and then it's like a longtime guitar player, Doyle.
1: Yeah, so the reason why we haven't seen anything is because it's this coming Saturday, the 19th. Okay. We're recording on the 17th for listeners who want to uh, dig deep. But yeah, so my joke fails on multiple levels, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> I was not there for Misfits. I could have made a real big joke that I was going a week early for the misfits. That would have been funnier, I guess. Just but, yeah. a pregame. Yeah, I was already in line. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. You got to get that corpse paint on early. Yeah. Um, no, I, I would. You know, obviously, if that show was in Toronto, uh, or if I was in the city, it was going on to, and I had tickets, I'd, I'd, I, it would be a fun experience to go to a hardcore show, or a punk show, or whatever you define it.
1: That big. Yeah, I think it's neat. I just like. You know, if if the circumstances were completely right and I could walk in and it didn't cost me anything, I would have no issue. But
0: yeah, I also want to be in like that bubble that the guy from the Flaming Lips rolls around in. You know, so <laughs> no one at the show could
1: come near me. <laughs> my thing is just like I've you know I think people listen to the show kind of know my uh, my position on this, so I just don't really like I I would make no effort because it's not my thing yeah you know if if we were talking about you know there's not many reunions to be fair that i freak out about too much anyway but i'm trying to think what kind of reunion i'd freak out for now i think i'm 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 a little overdone them so it's it's a difficult question to answer in 20 years i think i would i would probably eye roll every single one of them but you know there are certainly ones i would make an effort to go to i'm sure if like Although I hope it never happens and I don't expect it to ever happen. But like if Minor Threat did do it, yeah, I'd probably be into that. Yeah. But, you know, I don't expect it to. And again, I hope it doesn't happen. But I couldn't. That's probably one I couldn't actually keep away from.
0: You got to think like as far as reunions go, what's left out there? Like that could oh, happen. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it's like Minor Threat, which will never happen. Um, yeah. No, it was amazing in the nineties when there was that, that like kind of like urban legend that would pop up every once in a while. To like, you know, it's pre-internet really in the sense that you couldn't really fact check this in any sort of ready way back then. But they would be like, oh yeah, like last night at the Fugazi show for the encore, Ian came out holding the microphone and then they did a bunch of minor threat songs. <laughs> you know, that was like a persistent rumor, and you hear about it happening in different cities. It was like that, and, oh, there's a guy in my town who works at the record store who smoked weed one time with Ian McKay.
1: Oh, I've heard that was the one I've heard. I've never heard the one you said previous, but, um, yeah, it doesn't shock me. To hear that. I, I'm curious if that actually ever did happen. My guess is it did. I mean, the, the rumor. Not the <laughs> I'm yeah. guessing no. But, never.
0: Uh, like, could you ever see, like, especially now that you – you know, like like now that we like spent a little bit of time with him, obviously on that much fabled uh, turned out a yeah. punk road trip. Um, yeah. You know, like could you ever picture him like being like backstage, like yeah, you know what I want to do tonight? Go out there and fucking sing some minor threat songs.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no way. I, so. I I don't think so on multiple levels though. I don't think so on the level that I think that if you if anybody who's of a certain age that was able to see Fugazi... Fugazi operated as like very much to, to my, you know, whatever experience as a group. They took themselves, you know, of course, incredibly serious as that group. I don't really see them just being like, yeah, which, you know, we're just all just going to be like, yeah, do your thing now. Yeah. And and like cover these songs. It just, it seems, yeah, I, I just, I well,
0: like wanting like, like what, the crowd's going to start moshing and he's going to be into it?
1: Yeah, or exactly. I never even thought of that, to be honest. I didn't play it through that far. <laughs> but yeah, of course. <laughs> like it's um, yeah, so I don't know. I just don't see that being the case. But yeah, weird. It would be the I, coolest
0: I, I, thing if he did it and still enforced the no moshing policy. <laughs> and like stopped every time someone like, tried to
1: mosh. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: That would be the ultimate like head fuck for everyone. Like everyone has to stand there
1: perfectly still. <laughs> yeah. The um, one of my favorite parts about that instrument documentary is the, like the the well I mean there's multiple people complaining about that yeah but there there's one like prominent dude that's like really pissed off about essentially like the moshing thing and like I, I can't remember his the Die Tribe was on. It. It's just I just remember it being really funny. I haven't watched it in a while, so I'm assuming it plays even funnier, <laughs> fifteen years later. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's was it MVP? Reason. No, no, no. Definitely. Do you remember his?
0: Well, that was before we did footnotes. But like that MVP Fugazi story is maybe one of the greatest stories ever told in the history. Yeah, of way back. Podcast. When, yeah. yeah, way back when on the on the I first MVP one.
1: I'm wondering how many people have stories about being kicked out or chastised. For that kind of behavior at a Fugazi show, over the last you know, oh whatever. gosh, yeah, but decades. I wonder if he like. I wonder if
0: there's anyone ever like moshing, and he's just like on stage. He's like, no, nah, that style's too sick. I can't stop this person from moshing.
1: <laughs> These are all future questions that you'll
0: have to. Have <laughs> yeah, to ask. Ian, was there ever anyone in the pit that style was too <laughs> sick to stop from moshing? <laughs> yeah. That would be if, like My, uh... Matt DeLong hosted this podcast when Matt DeLong was like sixteen.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, the, I just I'm very you're reinforcing why this minor threat reunion will never happen, and that makes me happy to be honest. Yeah, no minor threat one will never ever happen. Like the only yeah. one
0: that I'm now kind of convinced is a potential one to happen is the Operation Ivy one.
1: I would have expected that though. I'm not. I don't know why that wouldn't have why. What well, hasn't happened yet? Yeah, but I think perhaps some of that has to do with the fact that you know. I don't you know, hear right. people have it tried. I would think, yeah. No, that's a good point. I just never think about it, but yeah, that is one big one. I'm shocked that hasn't happened. Yeah. Anyway. You you had tales of travel to speak about and things we already digressed. But,
0: oh well yeah, no, I, this weekend uh the fine folks at Vans had me out to the Form Festival in Arizona to do uh, a live Turn Out of Punk interview. Um it wasn't obviously like the show that Chris and I put on when we get to do the real Turn Out of Punk live experience, but these are these kind of <laughs> awesome things that Vans gets me to do during the summer. Uh, last year I got to do a couple of them this summer. There's going to be a few more. And, uh, this was one of them. I got to interview two artists, horror and vagabond. Um, and it, it was awesome. Like it really, it really felt like to me, like what they're doing sonically has, you know, obviously horror has a lot, I guess, of punk kind of influence in what they're doing, but like, you know, they're not doing straight up punk rock hardcore stuff. Right. Right. And Vagabond, like, the stuff uh, she's putting out is incredible, but, like, you know, not immediate dead giveaway that it's influenced by punk and hardcore at all. Uh, But yet both groups kind of found, you know, like, I don't know, like, entry to music through kind of, like, access to DIY venues and going to DIY shows in Brooklyn. And I don't know, like, it's just one of those things where you're like, oh, this is this is exactly what this podcast is about. You know, like it's about like (laughs) how this is not necessarily something that you're going to take with you playing, you know, you know, screeching weasel covers your whole life type thing. But at the same time, like the stuff that you learn or the stuff that you see, or just like, even the way it inspires you to react against it, it's like, you know, this is stuff, you know, you carry with you your whole life. It ends up going weird places.
1: Yeah, I I see what you're saying. I think that i am never, I think probably because you've done such a good job over all these interviews of the people that I expect to really have no connection of having either a much larger one or like a, you know, just always surprising me. I, nowadays, I just assume that most people that come from anything or doing anything interesting came from something inspired by, you know, this sub genre, however you want to characterize it, so I'm not I'm not surprised to hear that anymore. But yeah, it is it's nice to see it continuing to happen in your interviews anyway.
0: No, this was and it was a fun time. I also got to glamp. Well, I don't know what that is. That's glamorous camping,
1: Chris. Oh, okay.
0: Um, it was in the desert. Uh, I was in a, a tent that had uh, an air conditioning unit in it. I did not need to use it because. Uh, I didn't know this should have known this don't know why I didn't think about this but it gets fucking cold in a desert at night
1: <laughs> yeah I was gonna say uh, I do know that factoid
0: but, yeah like but, yeah. I, I I think I knew it Um, no I know I knew it but for some reason I didn't think about it I've never experienced it thankfully but uh yeah <laughs> it's really cold <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which which was kind of reassuring because during the hot weather people told me to watch out for scorpions. Oh yeah. <sighs> Did not want to see a scorpion. I had a lot of experience yeah. with that kind of stuff last summer. But, you know. But anyway, was, what,
1: do you, what do you mean? You had experience with scorpions? What are you talking about? In oh, Mexico. Ah, uh, okay.
0: And uh but but and it was a uh, yeah, it was a really fun time. It was got to hang out, ran into Dan Deacon.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Do you got to elaborate about that?
0: (laughs) Dude, this was legitimately what happened to me three times in the span of an hour. Yo, (laughs) dude, Dan, that was an amazing set last night. Actually, the first one was even weirder because this dude came up to me. He's like, yo, dude, that was an amazing set last night. He says, he said Dan later on, but I'm pretty sure he said dude. Uh, And I'm like, Oh wow. Wow that's crazy. You were in Toronto last night. Cause we played the subway station. we <laughs> fucked up. And he's yeah. like, no, no, uh, you're Dan Deacon. And I'm like, no dude, I'm not Dan Deacon. I'm Damien. He's like, no, I'm oh, like, my. I'm like, no, I, I, I'm Damien. I'm not Dan Deacon. He's like, well, your voice sounds all fucked up. I'm like, yeah, because I played a show with my band last night in Toronto. <laughs> oh, you sure? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm pretty sure I'm not Dan Deacon. And then this other, this like this uh, this other person comes up to me and she's like, "Dan, what's up? Amazing set last night, dude." I'm like, "Oh God, no, I'm not Dan Deacon." She's like, "Yes, you are." She's like, "I'm like, no, I'm not." She's like, "Why are you pretending you are?"
1: And I'm like, "Oh my God, I'm not."
0: And like she would not take no for an answer, and I got fed up with that one. I just stormed off, and then it happened again, and then I ran into the actual Dan Deacon.
1: That's amazing. And Did you like, tell him these stories?
0: Yeah, oh yeah. He's we he and I've had some like uh interesting hangouts over the years. This time we actually got to hang out for real, but like other times it's always been like the most random things. Like one time uh you know, I mean we're at a hotel and I'm like trying to sleep because it was just after Holden was born, my first kid, and I'm like trying to sleep in the hotel before we play the show and the phone keeps ringing and all these people are like, "Hey, is Dan there?" I'm like, no, and they're like, hey, is Dan there? Like, over and over again this happens. And then there's like this sound of someone trying to get into the room, and it's fucking Dan Deacon. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? He's like, oh, I thought this was my room. And I'm like, it's not. And how many people did you tell that it was because it's being called like a, over and over <laughs> again, dude? Uh, but, yeah, no, he's a, he's a really nice guy and going to come on the show.
1: I find that super amusing that you don't – not only do you have one, but you have two – like awkward Dan Deacon, like, you know, uh mistaken room story and a mistaken identity one. It. It's super funny.
0: <laughs> it is. He is someone that, uh you know, I've gotten to spend like a lot of time with over the years at some festivals and things like that. And he's like a real amazing person, you know, like has a really cool energy around them and stuff like that. But, yeah, like we have had some awkward run ins being, <laughs> <laughs> being mistaken for him and then oh, the room one as well. Uh, and then I was like, oh, you should come by my podcast because, you know, you came out of punk rock. He's like, well, I'm more from ska punk. And I'm like... <laughs> You're like... even Yeah, like it's still, punk. Yeah, I'm like, it's still <laughs> punk. Don't worry, we can make it work. You know, it wouldn't be the first time. that's You know, like... Uh, like, that's the thing I like about the show. And I like... I, no matter what your definition of punk is, whatever your punk definition of punk is, to you, that's the true definition. And, like, no one definition is going to be the true true one because like we are all got such different opinions on what constitutes this genre. There's no rules you know, like there's no 10 points that you check off on a checklist and then something's, you know, punk or isn't punk or things like that. It's like all defined by the listener.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I think there's people that would push back on that in specific. I'm regard, sure they but... would, but then like you could be
0: like, listen, Go talk to Ian Mackay. I guarantee you his definition of punk is going to be different than yours. And are you going to say he's not punk?
1: <laughs> well, I, I get what you're getting at. I just think there are probably certain hallmarks that people would would describe punk as. But I, I know what you're saying. Like when you're talking about people's perspective being that that informs what what punk is. It's like sort of like loosely a you know an artistic rebellion or what have you. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's it could be anything. Like, you know, like
0: obviously there's certain things that it probably is and it shouldn't be, but at the same time, like it probably is those things to someone.
1: <laughs> Maybe this is a really existential <laughs> talk about punk right now. But yeah. I've had a fun I night,
0: Chris. See. I saw the Melvins tonight. So I'm like I know. I'm all amped now,
1: dude. <laughs> I can tell, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm very envious that you're pals with the Melvins.
0: Well, I I tell you, like getting to just bother them, and like I I got another kind of here's another reveal for you. We record a little bit of a podcast, like Brian Wallsby, Buzz, and I. Um, okay. And it's and it's there's a lot of fun stuff on it. It's it's a cool one. It's going to go up soon, I promise. Uh, but the stuff after the podcast, where I'm just like, what about this band? What about this band? Like running through every obscure Pacific Northwest punk band I could think of and just hearing Buzz's take on them and what they were like live and stuff like, you know, the band RPA. I do not know. Okay. They have like a single, it's like a super rare single. Um, it's not super rare, but yeah, yeah is, like, I think it actually is pretty super rare. Let me look it up on the resource. Uh, but anyway, he was saying it features ex members of the Lude, like from the original Lude lineup. And oh, that weird! this was the toughest band in that region like they just come on stage and like you know like kick people in the face and just like take no prisoners when it came to playing oh yeah no it is a pretty fucking rare record
1: crazy no i don't know it like is it 80s or is it 70s or uh it's uh post-lewds so it's probably 80s i would
0: yeah i think it's 80 oh it says 81 to 84 but no one knows exactly when According <laughs> this is according to this uh, on the resource.
1: Who is the who are the lewd connections? Is it a bunch of them or just one person? He said it was two. So I'm finding one here. The RPA just as RPA shoot the Pope as the inside yeah, and bone Brad rambles. Yeah, not on a label. There is no year. Yeah, crazy. Wow. No wonder if this is a lot of money it is. There's not a lot of info on it. No. I remember um, D- uh,
0: Discourage had, I think, quantity of these at some point. It was like selling them with repost sleeves, if I remember correctly.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it's not a super pricey record, but it's, you know. pricey enough. Self-relipped. Wow. Yeah, I don't know this at all. It's a good Although single. if for people, yeah, RPA, if you look it up, it's the second entry in the resource, but there's also a um, a YouTube rip seemingly of the records. The worst thing on the resource is when you look up statistics once you have found a record you want to look at, and especially when you, you want to know how much of a a pain it's going to be to acquire, uh, especially if it's a big money record, the first tell, if you're not looking at the actual price, is you look at the have versus the want. And if the statistic of the have is at half or less, you're in trouble. That's my uh, yeah. observation. <laughs> and this RPA record is that. And, uh, yeah, so you're in trouble. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, especially if you want this color photocopied sleeve version. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. Um,
0: but, yeah, they, they definitely are – you know, one of those bands that I've, you know, never gotten to see, but that single.
1: Whoof. I just find it amazing. There's no year on it. it just says eighty one, eighty four. It's All a right. neat looking record. Like never uh the uh the band photo things on the back are funny.
0: Yeah.
2: No. Because
1: true. it's it's not like a full band photo, it's like individual shots. And like the one the one is like dude standing in it looks like I don't know. I wanna say a beach maybe. <laughs> yeah, or something. it looks like kind of like a beach. The guitar player, dude, and then the rest of them are just like it's like kind of a brick wall shot, live shot of the singer, dude. And then the bass player is just lounging <laughs> on some some like dark thing. But yeah.
0: Oh, it's a guy dude. from Soldier too, is a singer. I totally forgot about that. Cool. Doug yeah.
1: yeah, what a name. Hope that's a real name, by the way, too. Sick, sick name. Yeah. But uh, the single does look cool. I'm gonna check this out as soon as we get done this. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good one, definitely a, a classic. Uh,
0: but yeah, that was pretty awesome seeing the Melvins tonight. They got the two bass lineup right now going on with Pincus and Jeff McDonald. Um, and
1: yeah, that band is never boring. No, I, I it's would be different. Like it'd be impossible to be. They have such a. They could go so many directions because they have such a long ass catalog. They could do, like, again, I saw them only once and 18, 19 years ago now. And they did two sets and they were like drastically different to one another. Mm -hmm. They were were incredible. They did basically like a sort of classic Doomy heavy era, like Melvin stuff. And then they did a really fun, uh, at the time, it was like those three the Bootlicker, the. Cry Baby, whatever those I, Ipecac, the the three the three, three yeah, the things. trilogy. There we go. And uh they did like a set of that where I think they even covered I don't know if they covered Teen Spirit. Yeah, I think they, they did, did it on one of those records. So well, that They did it on sense. the record, but I think they did it live. Yeah, yeah that like, makes sense. Yeah, they did a lot of weird stuff, but it was like fun. It was like the that kind of stuff. So it was yeah, they can go many directions. Great yeah. band.
0: Yeah. No, they were and they're one of those bands that You know, puts effort into playing live and, you know, tries to make it, you know, especially with, like, those are two of the most entertaining bass players there are to watch.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, even, like, the thing is, like, everyone thinks of the Melvins, they think of Buzz, I would think, primarily. But, um, for me, Dale's, like, one of my favorite drummers, genuinely, and has always been. So... They yeah. just have it all. They've always had it all, even with the the re, you know the revolving bass player thing. Well, I, I think been.
0: that also adds to it too, right? Because that's yeah. like, you know, like they can still be the Melvins, right? Like personality wise, it doesn't change. The guitar's there, and the you're right. Like Dale is top top ten tr- rock drummers of all time, easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the bass is what changes the flavor enough that it's kind of different every time you see it.
1: Yeah, I've only, like, again, I've only ever seen them once, but yeah, I can imagine, like, the lineups that they've had over the last decade were not the same as when I saw them, so, yeah, very cool either way.
0: Yeah, they were put on a really good show. I had to leave early so I could come back here and do footnotes,
1: but (laughs) that's because. Apologies.
0: Apologies. Dude, no need to apologize. I'm loyal to the footnote cause. I I said (laughs) to the Melvins, I interrupted the set, I walked right on stage, grabbed the microphones, and I have to leave. (laughs) <laughs> I gotta go home and record footnotes
1: <laughs> I'm sure that happened yeah, and they applauded me, everyone <laughs> nice, in the yeah, room. of course, of course <laughs> go
0: on, record those footnotes, please. I'd
1: like you to recount a bit of your since you haven't talked about it, and i I feel like you're talking about everything to to not talk about it, but uh, how did the subway show go?
0: Ah, uh, it was really cool, like I guess yeah, to fill everyone in uh this last week fucked up, uh, through Dan Burke, um, who hit me up to do this thing. And, and, uh, uh, it was, you know, this very kind of like cool opportunity to play the unused or the disused, I should say, base station underneath the base station here in Toronto that was like built in the sixties as an overflow station for the subway that and just never really used and is really haunted. Like my producer for much music got attacked by a ghost down there one time. Hmm. It was crazy. We were filming a set, a thing for the wedge, my old, uh, TV show on much music. And, uh, once I could do a dab. <laughs> uh. Is it just me or is it like oil and flowers in here all of a sudden? I think it's just you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're in a closet down there. And my producer was like, no one was around them. And all of a sudden, uh, they are like, who's grabbing me? And the psychic who was with us was like, something's in the room with us. And I'm like, no one's around you. And they're like, something's fucking grabbing me. And I'm like, no, I can see that there's nothing around you. You're by yourself. And then they started screaming and ran into the room. And like, it was fucking crazy. <laughs> that does sound crazy. <laughs> but anyway, fucked up play a set there. No ghosts. <laughs> Uh, but something even scarier, John Tory, Toronto's mayor, was there. Really? Ah, yeah, but he left before we played.
1: Thank God. Uh, I was going to say, like, <laughs> wow, I thought you meant he was like, he witnessed a set that was going to be... Uh, no, but he and I have met off. before, though, because remember,
0: I moderated the debate between him and Doug Ford. and
1: Yeah, Lydia Chow. but I, that's still a far cry from, I'm going to watch a fucked up set.
0: Yeah, no, he he. Thank God, was not. I don't think, I don't think. You know, he wasn't in the pit. Put it that way. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> so, who else was there? More than one act, or were you guys the only ones that played? Yeah, Delilah played. I'm trying to remember all the other acts that played. We, well, I unfortunately didn't get there till after kid bedtime. Um, but uh, I'm trying to remember who played. Uh, Either
1: way, like I just didn't know if it was only you guys or it was like a bunch of groups. So yeah. No, it was uh it was a, a few groups
0: um played as well. Uh uh Delilah e uh Segilia.
1: Yeah, that's like the noise dude or whatever on Summer Isle. Yep.
0: Yeah, cool. and, and Tyreek or Die. Cool. Uh played and it was uh it was like a pretty fucking weird experience to get to play down there. You know, it's like, I just thought it
1: was an interesting. Like, I even saw the lead up to that, and I thought that's really, you know, like if I were in town or whatever, which I didn't happen to be. I was just thought that would be neat to see. I just didn't know how it would unfold in terms of like where the band would play and what all that. So, right on the platform, and they used two subway uh, cars as barricades. <laughs> wow!
0: Yeah, it was awesome. It was like it was a really fun experience. You know, like it was one of those shows where you know, you're never going to get to do that again. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm never going to get to play base Asian again. Like, and also the other problem was there, they had to keep it within the realm of safety. So there was only, I think 200 people allowed there.
1: Mm. there
0: There's pretty much one transit cop for every five people or 10 people. Crazy. Yeah. It was a lot of, uh, well policed, but it was a, a show in a fucking subway station. <laughs> <laughs> that is it is,
1: uh, it is fitting.
0: Fitting that you guys would play that, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was definitely a, a cool experience and, you know, something that uh, I will not probably be able to do again. So glad I got to do it. Thank you so much to everyone that helped put that on because, God, what a thrill. Yeah, it was Kyle from Delilah, too, that uh, uh, they got it, too. That like witch, sorry? I don't Kyle from Delilah was like part of the re- – I think that's the – he was like the driving force.
1: Oh, okay. but got now. that venue. Gotcha.
0: And then cool. Dan Burke was also involved. Gotcha. Nice. Um, But yeah, it was weird. Weird as shit.
1: Weird as shit. Let's <laughs> open that mailbag, Chris. Alright, mailbag. I'm gonna try and bust through some of these quick just so we can get through them all. First one, real quick, is uh, the Norwegian correspondent Kel wrote in, um, always with great stuff, but in particular the topic of Josh Broland, as apparently he was on I don't know if it's this week or last, but he was on the WTF podcast with Mark Marin and I hadn't had the time to listen to this yet. I don't know if you got a chance to preview it or not, Dame. I listened
0: those I listened to this section in question. Okay, Please.
1: yeah. So it was at the twenty to twenty five minute mark of the episode. Uh apparently he it doesn't really specify, it just says that the on his punk past it gets brought up. So I guess um anyone that's interested, check that out. But do you did you have any thoughts on that immediately, Dame? Yeah.
0: Like, you know, it's it's one of those things where if, if if there's ever the opportunity to interview Josh Brolin, uh there's a lot of a lot left to uncover. Um also Mark Marin really needs to bone up on his uh his uh Nardcore knowledge. <laughs> I
1: think fair enough. I don't blame anyone that doesn't know a lot about Nardcore if they're not punk centric, but yes. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs>
0: Um, but it would, it would, it <clears throat> left me with like a lot of hope that I'll get to interview that guy one day because, yeah. uh, man, it would be a fun, it would be a fun one.
1: Nice. So thanks again, Cal. Great. Uh, great. Yes. Thank you, Great heads up. Um, and this one's kind of hard to talk about as far as describing the, the message, but basically uh, listener Mike R wrote in and it just basically sent a whole bunch of links under the topic of like quote-unquote, who collects flyers that got brought up on uh, probably last week. Mm -hmm. We talk about it a lot, but uh, he gave my word. There seems to be 12 or 13 different uh, URL, like blog and or whatever you want to say, Instagram accounts or whatever, that uh, all do this. So what I think I'm going to do is just forward this to your brother, your lovely brother, Mm -hmm. shout out to Tristan, and he can – link one or all uh, you know because it's too much to shout out all these um, but basically there's a whole bunch and we'll just try and get them up there so people can check them out um, at their leisure if they follow the uh, one whatever social media platform we want to throw it up so anyway that was a cool one awesome Um, the other one here is a message from lane the subject is footnote 167 just wanted to comment on a few things from the footnote 167 uh, pertaining to Wasted Youth Pusshead cover art uh, in an interview in MRR issue number 8 uh, it says that Pusshead is asked uh, and it talks about um, drawing the Regans in artwork for a friend in LA not for Wasted Youth but somehow Wasted Youth got a hold of it and used it for their album without his permission and it's a pretty funny read also nothing but love for that album um, and uh Basically, they provide. It's on the Puss Fan site, uh, PussFan dot com. There's actually a link to this, which again we can chuck up. But there's the story of that as well, which I did not know. So I kind of remember that. Yeah, interesting factoid. And talk about just in hindsight, that's a bold move to just take someone's artwork and use it for an album cover. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but that's happened a lot. Like I'm sure that's like how many like war photographers. Have had their artwork ultimately used to sell, like a crust seven inch.
1: Yeah, for sure. I just mean though, like you know, I would assume at the time the Pusshead would have had to have been of somewhat like notable, you know, (laughs) to to pull that move. It just seems like kind of wild. But um, the second part of this message, uh, he writes in regarding DOA and basically how we were talking about people of the sort of quote unquote first wave of American hardcore. Or even earlier, I suppose, that we're able to catch them and talk about how they're amazing, and yet, you know, we this is not the DOA that you and I experienced. Let's say uh, in our later years, uh, or in their later years, pardon me. But uh, his theory is perhaps that their age difference might have played a part. I don't know uh, myself if I, I don't know what ages they were when they were in their prime. Like I don't know what. You know what ages they were when Hardcore Eighty One came out, or what have you. But he's saying that he thinks basically some of the young bands they were playing with were much younger, and therefore perhaps they were more like fully realized adults, and that's why they were a better band because they had that foresight, or whatever you want to say. Um, interesting. I don't know, Damien. You got any thoughts? Uh, no, like I, I'm kind of like with you, I guess. Yeah, um, and it just talks about. Uh, lastly, he mentions that he got a kick out of the Jesse Michaels creating a punk uh, anecdote in that interview and that he had a similar experience trying to recruit band members. So thank you in the past. Pardon me. Uh, so thanks lane for that message. Um, I think we all have had that. I think that's like a part of being (laughs) a punk is
0: like, yeah, at some point you're like, we got to make, I got to make more of me. And I think go on. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like the thing that I've always found interesting is like when you create a punk and then that punk becomes undone, and you're like, it's like you feel like your child has betrayed you.
1: <laughs> My thing is that there are two hallmarks of like, especially rural punk rock experience. One is what we're talking about here, which is the create a punk thing. And the other one for me would be like, and this is just a general punk experience overall. It's knowing someone who is like awkwardly older than you,
0: <laughs> yeah. some,
1: which we've talked a lot about in past episodes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, hanging out with an adult friend. <laughs> yeah.
1: But um, no, like, I think
0: for me, it's it's like, I remember the day when, like, the kids that I had made into, like, punk kids all were, like, listening to Tragically Hip at this party, and we're like, no, we don't want to hear any of that fucking no-effects bullshit anymore. Uh-oh. And I was just like, what? <laughs> that's probably the root of my Tragically Hip issue for the longest time, right there. That moment. <laughs> fair enough little (laughs) did i know that years later i would not speak to any of those kids um but i would like to tragically hip and probably would have more in common with them now (laughs) true no i got over it i got past
1: it you did you did (laughs) um another uh message here this is regarding pittsburgh and it's from sort of the content last week and of course the jesse michaels interview Uh, And, of course, it's in reference to that interview that the listener, John, writes in. Uh, One band he mentions that didn't get mentioned um, in the Pittsburgh discussion was the late great hardcore band Battered Citizens, the one and only 7-inch brackets. And their demo was reissued several years later. But they should get a shout-out because – and he has four points. One, their 7-inch came out on Seattle's great Overkill Records. Yep. In 1989, he thinks. Uh, He's recently been on a quest to get the overkill stuff. Undertow, no escape, intent to injure. Actually not sure if intent to injure was ever mentioned on your show, but I think they are totally underrated. It's come up. Yeah, not sure why they don't get more love, but I digress. That was point one. Two, interestingly, when you look at the Batter Citizens 7-inch artwork, it totally has urban styles vibe to it, which I know has been in a recent topic of conversation. So they were into the whole hardcore graffiti movement, even though they weren't from New York City. Uh, three, they played with so many bands and came through the Tri-State Pittsburgh area and along uh, the East Coast back in the day. If you do flyer research, play with Gorilla Biscuits, Warzone, No Effects, ton of others. So they represented Pittsburgh hardcore for a bit, certainly along with Half-Life, etc., and point four, a couple of the members still play in some cool hardcore bands today, killer of sheep and the cultivator. And they're keeping the spirit alive as it were. And that was a message from John. So
0: I think that seven cool. inch is super cool. I love that single. Never got to see him live. Uh, don't know if it's better than that first half life seven inch in, in for my personal taste, but I do like that seven inch. Um, uh, Intent to Injure, one of the best late 80s bands, 90s hardcore bands ever. Yep, great name too. Yeah, like that's, and also the cool thing about that Overkill record, they did a color vinyl pressing on that single.
1: <laughs> yeah. like a blue vinyl version. Of course you know that, yeah.
0: <laughs> Love that single. Uh, also, they like, you know, Intent to Injure, Overkill Records, amazing. Nemesis Records, amazing. Striving for togetherness
1: records. Amazing. Yeah. That's just uh, three biggies right there. That's it. That's all three you need. Li- three little biggies is what I should say. But yeah. Yeah. Three footnotes
0: biggies. <laughs> that's it. Like that's three three major labels.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, we have another message here from friend of the show and past guest of the show, uh, Chris Minicucci, um, And he writes in with uh, Poison Idea... Uh, footnotes, and it's basically the list of records from the record collectors are pretentious assholes, uh, the cover, and we did that whole um, trying to figure out exactly all the records, and we did the values of them, et cetera, of that, uh, or at least according to what um, list we found from a listener, mm-hmm. and uh, he says him and uh, puts Westbrook, who I assume is uh, John Westbrook, right, is his first name from Knife White? Yeah. Yeah. That they compiled the list a while back, and uh, to double down on how th- thorough this is, the uh, there's an attached photo which is not even the record cover itself, like meaning the, the actual record scan. It's the actual original photo that was used to uh, for the artwork of the actual record, uh, as you know, Damien can attest. I've never seen it. I think I've seen photos, but. Uh, Chris has an insane, probably the craziest poison. Yeah, idea I would,
0: ever. I would say there's no, there's no question. Like the yeah, number would, one poison idea collection. Yeah.
1: So they compiled a list from this, and the list is on here. Uh, this is difficult to, to break down too because some of this is like the list that we found already. But um, anyway, he has it here. I, I don't feel like I need to read all this. I mean, no. Lot, no, but uh, what, we'll try and figure out a way. I want to do something with this where we can put it up uh, in some capacity. So I'll try and figure that out with your brother. But I feel like this list, despite us having the URLs in the previous episodes where we, you know, talk a bit about it and the values and whatever, I do think this would probably be the best list as far as the most dependable, mm-hmm. knowing, knowing the people that um, made it, not, not any throwing, not tr- throwing any shade at anybody else that tried or whatever, but uh the the level. Well, This is like which. the hardcore detectives. Like
0: there was a point in the history where, you know, I don't know if Westbrook still, you know, kept up as much as he now, because I haven't seen him in a while, but I know Cooch definitely has obviously illustrated by his current label, but there was a moment where those guys were like, like, I don't know, just like on opposite ends of the country, but just like doing deep digs to find like unheard of recordings and like they turned up some crazy stuff. Like, they are responsible for finding some ridiculous stuff out
1: there. Agreed. Uh, speaking of which, so you mentioned the label. The label you're speaking of is Radio Rahim Records, and of course, Painkiller, of the association. But Radio Rahim just put out three new things. Just a quick shout out um, against Welcome to the Aftermath LP, Acid Attack, Suburbia's Dream LP, and Hellbent 83 to 84 Demos LP. And uh, yeah, so if you're into this kind of deep head uh, archivist uh, hardcore punk or metal, uh, if it were or crossover, uh, get into it. There you go. But uh, yeah, great messages and yeah, awesome. I've, I've now have, I've I decided to click on the Striving for
0: Togetherness record <laughs> discogs, Chris. <laughs> yep. And just randomly, I was like looking through this. This is uh, this is I believe. Kevin Gill uh Kevin Gill's label too right so he's going to come on the show eventually so we can go over this in much <laughs> greater detail at that point but uh just can you click on choose xr life 7 inch
1: Yeah I'm uh <laughs> You've had me pivot here I was in another thing so I'm just pulling it up now Um sorry what did you want me to look at here Choose XR Life Choose XR Life I'm not seeing this. It's what like year?
0: Striving for Togetherness records.
1: No, I know. I got that. But what year? What catalog? It's like 1993. Ch- striving for Togetherness. Oh, Choose X, Our Life. Sorry. I was looking at I thought it. That was a comp. Group Choose X. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our Life.
0: Yep. Read The Matrix
1: for the a
0: Wow. Wimps and Posers Leave to Stage.
1: Oh, it's funny. I didn't even realize the spelling the, the grammatical error there, but that's amazing. It's awesome. B side, haha, isn't that funny? <laughs> okay.
0: Um uh, that's my favorite matrix I've ever found. Anyway, sorry, Chris, I got distracted by that. But no,
1: no worries. Classic cover to that, choose X our, our life too. Um And intent to injure is on that label, so there you go. Great well this label. one, I'm gonna steer you back on course here and you're yes, gonna love me this back. because get it's a punk wrestling connection email. All right, favorite. <laughs> um, it says this uh, listener Nicholas writes in says there's another person that he wants to add to the list. Eric and I'm gonna I'm probably battering the name here. I apologize, but it's Eric Ple- Plekin, P L E K I N. Anyway, better known as Biddy, is a long time Wisconsin hardcore veteran. Currently plays in Deathwish, who is a great or who are a great, pardon me, Motorhead Discharge Hybrid Style Band. Has a couple LPs on Beer City. Uh, he's been in a ton of bands, including Remission, War Torn, Dresden, Default, a ton more. He used to wrestle under the name of quote-unquote straight-edge Eric Hammers. In the late 90s, he co-founded ACW All-Star Championship Wrestling in the Green Bay area. And uh, he's a super nice dude, he says, and... Basically, is giving you even more ammunition for your Punk Wrestling Connection, Damien. There you go,
0: Chris. It never ends with that one, I'm afraid. Like it, it, <laughs> it really is the uh, gift that keeps on giving. Uh, thank you for that email, and that's just one more, one more check in my box. You know. <laughs>
1: So we have a few more I'm going to go through real quick. One is uh, there's part of this email. So it was in regards to the ICP face paint in St. Clown Posse, that is face paint origins, which Damien had uh, previously wondered if it had anything to do with the human furnace, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which was sort of a, uh, it was a far, it was a a little bit of a stretch I think. But um, anyway, we, we, touched a bit on this before i can't remember what what came about but um there is a tidbit here he writes this is austin who writes in by the way or and uh it says read in a biography face paint was inspired by detroit rapper esham which we already talked about i believe in the past
2: mm-hmm. um
1: but they did have a small this is the part i wanted to get to they did have a small punk connection in uh, though in a sense Steve Jones, this is alleged in this email, we've got to look this up in the resource in a second, but Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols apparently played guitar on the song Piggy Pie off of 1997's, uh, ICP's 1997 album, The Great Malenko. And although neither of them, it's a quote-unquote here, although neither of the clowns were present, he recorded his parts uh, separate to them. Basically, they didn't have any real knowledge or whatever of them. And, uh, yeah, so we need to look that up now. It is uh, true. I'm looking at it right now. Wow. Yeah. So th- that's pretty incredible. I think I Greg Malenko's wrestling reference as well. Uh, that I have no idea. But I'm just amazed that of all the times that this has been sort of broached in footnotes and, and everything, that I had no clue and there was no mention of this specific item that Steve Jones is on that record has an appearance on that record.
0: Yeah. It's very weird. It's very, you know, maybe, maybe there is a, you know, so does Alice Cooper on that record too. That's wild. And like, I'm
1: just thinking like, maybe it's not, you think he actually played player. you think it's just a sample that they had to credit that way.
0: Well, he probably played. I mean, sense. I,
1: yeah, I'm just, you looks know, like no. it's a
0: feature, right? Like how it's presented here.
1: Yeah. Anyway, wild. Um, so there's a, there's a little bit of new info regarding uh, that whole strange scenario. And once um, again, Chris, we can
0: all agree that Homies is a sick song.
1: No, we can definitely not agree on that, but
0: you feel that way, sure. We can all agree.
1: <laughs> um, and uh, we have another friend of the show, uh, Billy Hamilton writes in regarding the former guest. Athlete, yeah, former guest pardon me. I should have said that as well. Um, but basically the evidence is piling up to support uh hockey. Uh he's he's trying to chime in that he's trying to make hockey a little bit more prominent in this most punk adjacent sport category. And he does mention the Ben scriven's lexus on fire thing, uh, which we've mentioned in the past. It's like uh Ben Scrivens goalie, has the logo on his helmet. Um and this one is a handful of fans had hit him up. He plays in the band Silverstein, for those who don't know, that uh, I believe this goalie's name, I, I'm going to probably butcher this as well, but Maxim, I'm going to say Legasse, maybe it's Legacy, I don't know. Um, but it's uh fourth or fifth string goalie for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And he does, in fact, also have, I don't know if this is actually painted on or sticker or what have you, but yeah. It looks like uh, it's painted on. Yeah, it probably is. Usually they are, um, but yeah, it's the Silverstein logo or what have you. And so, yeah, um, basically, Ben's here that Max via Twitter ended up scoring tickets to, or they, sorry, ended up scoring tickets to the first win against the Ottawa Senators late November coincide with the gig in the nation's capital. And shout out uh, to Sean Scallon. He writes as well, who is of course infamous Ottawa. Uh, well, how do you describe Sean Scallon? The uh, like, like hardcore <laughs> legend? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, there we go. And uh, so there's another one for hockey. And the last email here real quick. Um, listener Eric L. writes in that he just watched Redder, Ready Player One and saw several punk things in it. One scene the main character is deciding what his avatar will wear. And he flashes into a punk with liberty spikes. His leather jacket has a big DK logo on the back. Dead Kennedys, of course. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is the main female character is wearing a Joy Division Unknown Pleasures shirt for most of her real-world portion of the movie. I know nothing about this movie myself, uh, but uh, interesting. Damien, your thoughts? Yeah, like I think think – you know, I'd say Dave
0: Kennedy's obviously, you know, like not obviously the deepest cut reference, but like a deeper cut reference. But at this point, that Joy Division shirt, like I saw that in H&M the other day. Not that Not I, was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't buying anything for myself there, but I was in that store wandering around and saw this Joy Division shirt. And I was like, wow, they've like, they're like classic rock now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that... Uh... That one lends itself in a weird way because the motif is so like, you know, whatever. It's like very artsy, that graph or whatever it is you want to say. So it's, yeah. But uh, either way, very interesting that's bleeding in. Because what, is that like some major movie that just came out? I don't know anything.
0: Yeah, it's like Steven Spielberg. It's based on a book about a video game world. Okay. Where where, uh, it's like in the future and then people go into this video game world that's like kind of like second life. Uh, Uh, But like you can do whatever you want there and it's like virtual reality.
1: It's kind of like
0: probably what the real future is going to be like.
1: <laughs> well, either way, that was the end of Mailbag and uh thank you all for writing. Uh Chris, I want you to know and I want listeners to know that there is
0: a vinyl 12-inch version of Insane Clown Posse's Homies.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: if someone wants to buy it for Chris and I, that would be a much appreciated uh gift to uh to <laughs> Punk cuz we can all agree that it is one of the best songs ever.
1: Uh, again, I don't agree. It's getting, it's getting more
0: it, extreme, Chris. Until you agree with me,
1: if the if if somehow we create a turn of punk footnote shrine, which if you want to include that, and of course has to include Baby Gopal on Pink. Yes, uh, yes, definitely. A bunch of other things. I really want. I I will. I'm with you on. I really want to take this joke to the nth degree to the point where, should we ever tour again, that people actually bring these things to us <laughs> would be. Amazing. That's a dream. That's, That's how you know day you day. made it. Yeah.
0: When people bring you homies on vinyl. Yeah. Because it's rare. There's only 400 copies according to the Discogs. What <laughs> for 50 bucks here? Like I'm kind of tempted. And <laughs> I would ask for for like my birthday or Christmas from uh, from Lauren, but I, I don't think she'd buy me an Insane Clown Posse record.
1: <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that, but yeah. yeah.
0: And I also can't bring myself to spend $50 on an St. Clown Posse record, even though it's homies.
1: <laughs> okay. I don't know where to go with that. Do you want to get into the episode?
0: <laughs> well, let's get into the episode, because I could talk about this track all night. You uh could. Yeah, like this is a, a, I don't know, Chris, we were talking off air about Slow a little bit before, and I, I, it's kind of surprised me you weren't familiar with that song, Have Not Been the Same, because I thought... You know, for me, it was just like such a staple of CFNY and of much music at that time or, or a little bit later, even when I was kind of more aware of much music. But uh, you were unfamiliar with this band prior to the interview with Tom, right?
1: I was, yeah. I have a blind spot on this. I don't know why, because everything about it screams like it should have been something that was I was familiar with. Because as Damon and I have talked probably ad nausea about, um, there's a certain era of like canadian CanCon radio or video play from our formative years that just sort of you know i can't shake like uh yeah. probably a week or two ago uh boot sauce was mentioned and that made me chuckle and so yes. even that's something you know what i mean like like these groups that really no one hardly knows or remembers and i tend to be sort of up on that kind of stuff this was one that didn't uh and it's sucks i didn't know it either because it's quite good yeah and uh i don't know why of all the things that this did not hit me in any way the video does look vaguely familiar but i did i didn't really recall the song especially in the interview when you were talking about it then i went and listened to it i didn't recall it but it's cool oh it's Um, a great song yeah so it's it's a neat band i think um anyway i don't know where you want to begin with this but yeah i was not uh familiar up until revisiting it just now
0: well it's funny because i i you know, I was talking tonight with uh, with with Buzz and from the Melvins, and I'm like, "Oh yes," I you know the guy from Slow on my podcast. He's like, "That was a fucking incredible band." He's like, "They were so good. They play Seattle all the time, and I'd always go see them, and they were just like on another level. Like that were like a great band." And it's kind of like I was going to say, you Chris, one of the things I wanted to do today, and this might be early into the discussion to do this. Mm-hmm. But why don't we just get it out of the way? Sure. Uh, what What would you say your top five Canadian <laughs> songs are? Maybe we'll say top ten.
1: Jesus songs, not yeah. Records. But like I'm gonna like,
0: and this isn't like you know, like i I like because obviously we could just go and you know probably just name ten songs by Scare Tactic, and that would be the. The songs, <laughs> <laughs> or ten Ruination songs, yeah. Then those would be the songs. But I'm saying like no,
1: Ruination doesn't count; it doesn't fall under a Maple. So. Yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. It doesn't have enough. Yeah.
0: Um. At various times, though, it was half and half.
1: The True. Whole way yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to do it right now. I'm typing it to see if I can pull up ten. I. You're talking punk centric, or just in general? Well,
0: like I don't know. Like, I have not been the same by them. By Slow is definitely on mine. Picture my face by Teenage Head. That is a good one. Yeah, um, would be on mine. Uh, Sloan, the other man, would probably be on mine. It was like hard to pick a Sloan song,
1: right? Like. Well, there's a bu- there's a bunch. That a is a bunch. very good one. That's a very good late. Well, I guess not late anymore. I guess mid period era. Mid period, I guess, yeah. Record, but uh, or song rather. But uh, I would just pick. You know, you got to pick for me. If you're talking about Sloan, I don't know. Just pick like. Coax me. Coax me is also excellent. And that wasn't even where I was going to go. I was just going to go with Underwhelmed because that was like the and still is arguably like a big radio. It's movie. a good song, but like I don't think it like betrays
0: how. Like the melodic genius of that band, right? That's true. Yeah, um, um,
1: I'm trying to think of others. I would.
0: I would then have Teen Land by uh, Northern Pikes.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: Um, I think that song's fucking incredible. Uh, I'm trying to think of some. Which what would be some other ones?
1: Well, one I'm gonna call that I can't believe you haven't named already, but it's sort of an obvious to the show anyway, is which is Scream Fist by the Vowel Tones. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna
0: say I was, I was trying to stay away from like the more yeah more like uh, punk stuff, but you're right. Like that would have to be on it. And then uh uh Out of Luck by Pointed Sticks, maybe. <laughs> Barbara by Modernettes would definitely be on there.
1: Yeah, those groups. Like, it's funny in the discussion uh, in the interview. You guys talk about that; those records being amazing. And yeah, there's. I mean, boy, oh boy. Like, I, I don't pointed sticks. Yeah, I don't so, know.
0: Subhumans behind the smile would be also on mine, but I don't. I don't expect it to be on anyone else's.
1: It's just all that stuff. So good. You could oh. pick a young Canadian song. You could pick. Yeah, I don't, Canada's. Tell. I mean. Ooh, I don't know. But I would definitely been say for been. me
0: though, have not been the same would make my list.
1: This is where you're going with this. So yes. That's where I'm I, going
0: with it for me.
1: I I uh I I dig it. It's cool. I don't I would have to like really kind of again, as someone who's just recently familiar, I can hardly go, Yes, <laughs> that is one of mine, but it's a hell of a good song. Um Kids
0: in the Hall theme. What's that song called by uh
1: Shadowy Yeah, I don't know what yeah. the song's actually called. I've never known.
0: <laughs> that's on my list too.
1: Great song it is. That's very Yeah, that's killer. Um Oh, I'm trying to think of other great Canadians. Locked in a Trunk of a Car by Tragically Hip. I don't even know if I know that song, at least by title.
0: That song is good. That song is God
1: damn that song is killer. <laughs> I'm trying to think of Canadian songs now. I feel like we're really missing some uh it's gotta be a Doughboy song in there probably. Um I'm trying to think of who else. Anyway, it's a good topic. I can't do it off the top of my head. I would have to take some time. But uh, <laughs> if if we really want to do this, I'll try and work on okay. it. Okay. Well, another time we will come back to this. But yeah, revisiting. it's hard. I don't know off the top of my head because it's I, – I would say something like, well, that other song is probably better than this. I should revisit that or whatever. But anyway, the ones we've named thus far are quite good and yeah. uh, would definitely be on the list as far as overall tops. But um, uh, where did you want to begin with the talking points, other than what we just said?
0: Uh, I guess that's it. That, let's uh, dive on into the first point. I That was kind of the first point, I guess. So why don't you take the next one?
1: Okay. Uh, well, I'm trying to think of where to go. One, I didn't bizarrely know anything about the Squamish Five. And oh, yeah. so immediately upon that being touched on, I was – right into it and started looking up and it blew my mind. I knew nothing about that and I don't know why. But um you said you were something in school came up with that for you? Yeah, like we learned about that in school. Wow. Like it was
0: – uh It definitely did not. That's insane. It's one of the few kind of real exciting moments in uh, Canadian history that stands out to me. Maybe it was in university that I learned to, but I definitely remember learning in a classroom setting.
1: Yeah, that's – phenomenal but i and i again i had no idea about the subhumans connection to that or whatever that one member um yeah it's just wild i knew nothing of that so to like that was interesting to find out about and uh yeah if you, if no one knows feel free to google it and uh you know look into it it's a very interesting tidbit in history i would dare i say the canadian weather underground or something of that nature mm-hmm. is
2: mm-hmm. pretty very, much, very uh, similar.
1: But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of first uh, talking point. I thought of something very funny, just as a sidebar, because you guys both were speaking upon, like, the idea of grunge or pre-grunge in regards to, like, that East Van Halen group that uh-huh. I'm not familiar with. Um, I'd never heard of them either. That, that, is, that was totally
0: news to me. And I don't think there's – I don't know if there's recordings.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I do, weirdly, though, think they've come up before. Because that name does sound like, obviously, Van Halen, I get that reference. But, like, East Van Halen, I'm pretty sure some West Coast person you've had on. It would have to be... uh did mention it. It would have to be McBean. Yeah, it might have been. But I'm even thinking, like... Anyway, wh- whatever. I, I do believe it's come up, and it just never got dissected but and again i don't know anything about the about the band but what i was thinking about was you're talking about like metal like kind of the sort of he's speaking about punk sort of in the the years sort of when it fades away a bit and it becomes whatever he felt slow was associated with yeah um this is my hot take of the week which is is grunge not just slacker metal
0: yeah, like I think that was the thing, right? Like there's that story of that club that I think has even come up here on the uh, Patty um, uh, episode where it was like half punk and then on the other side it was the metal side. And that's like totally – it's probably just like – it's probably like rock kids, you know, convincing punk kids to join their bands.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it just was the it was the thought I had when I was like, you know, that's maybe how I would describe it. Is like imagine a metal band, like a slacker metal band that isn't quite a metal band. That's grunge. Um, but yeah, East Van Hill. I know nothing about. What is okay? So no exit was another one you touched on, but I didn't know. So there's
0: dude, look at that LP.
1: But is there? I'm not mistaken. There's a contemporary group called that. I think so, right?
0: Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is. Like, like I know that's not the group you're talking about. Yeah, right? no, I'm talking about the. This is like. I think this is on the cover, if I remember correctly, of Smash the State. Um, and it is one of the rarest Canadian records.
1: And that's the one he says as a record isn't very good, but they were an incredible band for a minute or more.
0: Yeah, Yeah, he said they got really good when they had members of East Van Halen. In them.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's funny that this is the one
0: document of that scene that he's describing.
1: That no exit record or the what, – what are you speaking of? That no exit record. I can't find it.
0: uh, No exit number
1: four is what it comes up under. (laughs) Oh, the good old resource. Yep. Did they really just do a a
0: clash thing? They did like a clash parody on one side and a damn parody on the other.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep, LP, 1980, not on a label, as is the Canadian way um, of of that era. Oh, it's actually someone's YouTube, but thank goodness. Wow, yeah, this is mega expensive. Yep. Holy. Nice. Anyway, I didn't know this record, but I didn't, uh, yeah, very, like, so obviously I'm assuming you don't have it. This is your major Canadian want. This is one of my, yeah, this is one of my big wants. Okay, so listeners who've been paying deep attention, (laughs) uh, I'm going to reference something right now, which will explain. I don't even have to tell you what the record's worth. You just judge have 19 want 103 that's way less than half of course yeah so you can guess that it's uh, going to be a problem that's my uh, my yep. plan, my, uh, my theory there my uh, whatever
0: it's an expensive ass record
1: yep there's
0: a copy in toronto though so i could probably just go and pick it up
1: <laughs> um but yeah anyway this lp looks cool i don't know <laughs> It's it's a strange. You're right. The damned uh, the damned spoof is funnier than the, than the Clash one to me. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're a cool band. Like they're
0: definitely one of those bands that there's just like that vibe. Of that record is just so cool that you know it's that's why it's been on my list for so long.
1: That's nuts. But it is
0: not mine, and it will not be mine for.
1: Oh, it's weird too because it's actually. A studio side A and then a live side B.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. That's an interesting move. Anyway, um, yeah. And the other thing that I got a kick out of, he mentions it in the interview as well. I don't know if he talked about this, but in another context where he's talking about Smiling Buddha, which there is right now a Smiling Buddha in Toronto, which of course I don't believe has any reference to the Vancouver one. No, that's like a legendary one in Vancouver. Yeah, exactly. Um, Many a flyer. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with this no exit thing. I think I was just curious myself because I didn't know it. Um, <laughs> what do you? Uh, what do you got? Well, I think um, one of
0: the things that I I kind of found interesting was his take, which was completely contradictory to mine. <laughs> but I would love to find out from you, Chris, what you think about this. But the idea that punk lost the plot when it became about anyone being able to do it.
1: I love the take. Uh, I'm in between you two, I would say. I think you framed it to me slightly different than I felt the interview uh, suggests. Not to say that you didn't, you know, you were saying something poorly. It just, I, I knew what he meant. Again, I don't know if I fully, again, I'm not, Uh, on that side entirely. But I know what I thought was interesting is he was saying that essentially what he didn't identify with was the idea of community, broadly speaking. And as someone who seemingly, you know, had, had difficulties with people, as he kind of mentions in the interview, that that was the part of it he didn't like. And that's, you know, therefore what lost the plot or what have you. I thought that was an interesting take from like a curmudgeon standpoint. Not to say that, you know, like, you know, quote like to not that this is what he was saying or that anyone's saying, but just to paraphrase for for uh uh to illustrate my point, but like that DIY is bad or something. I don't think that's what was intended in what he's saying. I just think he was saying that the emphasis became on uh you know, the communal aspect rather than I don't know what you would say, like that that differentiation between the audience and artist, which you know, you, like the the Ramones anecdote, which he uses, is, is an interesting one because it's, he's not wrong in kind of saying that that's special, but at the same time, for me, you know, I don't know, I could name, you know, however many hardcore punk bands as an example would have not been that way and been equally as, you know, whatever, uh, interesting or as inspiring. So I think it's just, you're, you know, it depends on the perspective of what you came from, but You know, no, I'm in the middle. I don't know. I'm in the middle on that one. I'm not fully on your side. I'm not fully on his side. I'm in the middle on that one.
0: It's it's weird because like the Melvins, right? Like seeing them tonight, I had this fresh in my mind. and Like they're a band that presents themselves differently, right? Like they put on different clothes when they go on stage. Yeah. You know, like they're, it's a performance, you know? And like, I find it, I find that it's awesome, you know? And there's a place for that, you know? But at the Mm -hmm. same time, I don't know, like, I think, to me, the idea that anyone can do this, like, that's where this is so different from every other type of music, save maybe modern rap music, which kind of espouses (laughs) the same sort of philosophy these days, you know, at least to me, from what I'm kind of seeing, that...
1: yeah, well, it's hard to be on, you know, it's it's hard to be the person who's not on your side on this one, because it would, I'm not saying I'm not, but I just mean, Anybody, Because, of course, in theory, not even in theory, just in reality, if, if no one had attempted to do, you know, anything because they were inspired by whatever in this genre, broadly termed, then, of course, we wouldn't have, like, a ton of great stuff. And that, of course, is to a detriment. I think the only thing I would push back slightly on is the idea that, you know, and I think this is kind of what he was trying to say, which is essentially that. When you, well, this is how I understood it. When you're focusing on the community aspect of on of it more than, you know, so to speak, the uh the output, if you will, like the the actual execution, then that is, you know, to him was not was not good. I again, I'm not entirely with that, but I see what someone's saying because you can see a lot of bands whose intentions are. Them themselves are great, you know, as people or as community people even, but perhaps have not been, you know, sonically have not done the greatest things, if you will. Um, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I can see that.
0: I, I can see that argument. But at the same time, like, even out of those types of community-based punk things, awesome music comes out.
1: I agree. I mean, we could even, I mean, get, there's a lot of great groups we could, like, use as Trump's to that argument and say, well, what about this? You know, and it's, they're all, it's correct. I, I, well, the only thing I found interesting was I, I just thought his take from a personal standpoint, I understood. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's
1: the thing. It's like, once
0: again, like it was saying uh, earlier on in the show, like whatever your definition of punk is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be different than probably the person right beside you. But like, that's what makes this kind of interesting because. Yeah it is kind of like just like a, a crowdsourced rule book that we're all playing out of.
1: I agree with that. I also though think that like hearing him speak upon this, like in hindsight is interesting because if I look at, when I looked at that, um, the video for, um, whatchamacallit, slow have not, have not been the same. Um, it, the vibe of that group is way different than I expected. I expected it to be way more, you know, uh, like whatever, have that, you know, that, that rocks almost like, dare I say like rock star ism to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's blatantly not, you know, of that. And I didn't get that at all. If anything, I thought it was way more, you know, like punk, punk in attitude and vibe than I had, I had anticipated. I thought it was going to be like, if I'm to use another, like to use another Canadian, well, we're on Canadian content Tease a group, say like, let's say, uh, the Headstones. So for listeners that know or don't, then you won't get this. But Damien, no, they
0: were, you probably even if you don't know the Headstones musically, you yeah. definitely know Hugh Dillon because yeah, from, so hardcore, hardcore logo, logo of course. yeah. But what's that other show, Flashpoint? Like that's why he's famous in America now.
1: He's on Flashpoint. He's on. Uh, he's been on a few. He, he's an actor, I think, primarily now. But uh, but my point is something like the Headstones is kind of like what I expected out of uh, the kind of the way he framed slow in those years. And again, this is neither good nor bad. I've never been a Headstones fan myself, but Headstones definitely had that like, you know, quote unquote, like rock star ism to it. They Mm -hmm. weren't a gigantic group. They were fairly big in Canada, but, but like, it was like you knew they kind of knew punk stuff or came from it or however you want to frame that. But as the group, they were not, you know, what I would consider to be, you know, your atypical punk group that was sort of, uh, you know, I don't know what you, what you want to say, like accessible or, uh, you know, it was it was it was rock starry more than it was, you know, well to me cool. But it just like, I don't know how I'm I'm not articulating this right. But but what I'm trying to say is, slow did not give that to me at all. I, looking back on it, I think it's actually. Reminds me of like aesthetically, of like weirdly, like aesthetically, it reminds me of like pussy galore or something. It's very, very like antagonistic, but not mm-hmm. rock starry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't know. I just think it's cool. So I didn't, I, I think his recollection, mind you, he was there, not not me, but I don't think, uh, I think it was more right on. Like, I think it was more right on. I think it was more punk and, and attitude in attitude in the right way. I don't think there was that uh whatever differentiation but maybe again maybe they're just like too cool for Canada.
0: Yeah, it could be. You know, at the time especially, right? Like they're just like just seem like they would have been just too like in your face for kind of the vibe.
1: I mean, yeah. I'm just astounded at how kind of right on everything is. If you look at their band photo. Yeah. It's a black and white band photo and it's sick. Dude, <laughs> those records are awesome. Yeah, I got to get these. I also like that. So Zulu again. So this should be maybe the next talking point here. So of course Quintessence, which I wasn't aware of was a store. I knew I've only ever known of it as a label, but of course I'm not from out west. Um, but so Zulu, who put out the slow records, which is Zulu, also a store now, was also the store. Well, I knew it was yeah. the store Zulu, but I again, I didn't know of it as a label. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Zulu, is he still even there? Uh, I think it's still there. I because I thought last I'd heard it wasn't. I might be again. I'm probably incorrect in that. But anyway, Let's I was see what uh, the
0: website says.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, it's still still has hours up. Okay, so it's still going. Cool. Um, either way, it's cool that they put. It. So it's funny that two records or two. Well, not two, but like the quintessence and Zulu thing are both tied to like putting out records of this era. And I'm just, sadly, what is the Toronto equivalent of that? Is there one? No, there wasn't. Yeah,
0: no, there wasn't. Unfortunately. Um, like if you look like all the bands, I think like, I think one of the problems is, uh, you know, and I've, I i do not know if I've even talked about this on the podcast, but I've definitely talked about it with people, you know, and they're probably you, Chris, actually, when I think about it, um, <laughs> Toronto's too close to the music industry. Yeah. Right? Okay. I've heard that. Yeah. That's you, why I don't think we ever had like we did have some cool hardcore bands, but like a lot of people that probably would have wound up playing hardcore, you know, wound up playing in rock bands or wound up playing in uh, like uh, metal bands because it was just like that probably was more of a commercially viable path, or not even like to six huge success or anything, but just like then. Playing hardcore would have been.
1: Yeah, I get what you mean. I, I think that's a fair observation. I, I, you have brought it up in the past. I think on the show, but I just mean it's funny that there are two instances of two record store then labels or vice versa, however you want to consider them that documented, you know, aspects certainly quintessence of major importance. Well, <laughs> fringe, right? Like that would be. I guess fringe,
0: yeah. Like, but fringe, record peddler and fringe.
1: Yeah, did they not though? Well, Fringe there was some like genuine tron up, but wasn't a lot of the Fringe stuff licensed, like international. A lot stuff? of it was,
0: yeah, a lot of it was licensed international stuff. But like, they did do you know Diabolic Force, which is of course Brian Taylor's um, imprint that he had a couple releases on. Yeah, and they also did Youth Youth, youth Records once again Brian Taylor's band. Uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff they did. Bunch of fucking goof later on.
1: I never knew where they were from, but is was Slaughter from Toronto or no? Scarborough, I believe. Okay, whatever. So GTA. So yeah. they, did do, they did do that, did they not? That's Diabolic Force. That was Brian's thing. Oh, so he did put it out. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the other. Sacrifice was the other one, but I can't remember where they were from. Uh, sacrifice, uh, I believe, is also GTA. Yeah. Either oh. way. So they're just, you know, Quintessence is, you know, comparatively is an, in, an insane example because you look at the records they put out and it's kind of nuts. Um, it's just too bad there's no equivalent on the other side of the country that I have as uh, far as I know.
0: Well, because like Teenage sign no major label. Yeah. Um, Vile Tones Management put out their single, the first mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, there wasn't like any labels. Like I'm trying to think of labels that did – like more than one release even yeah. Showtime records that did the uh, uh the high fives and the Bobcat singles but like Montrose just the vile tones I'm trying to think of stuff that yeah there's like it doesn't really happen in Toronto till what deranged ugly Pop?
1: yeah probably I'm sure tra- I can't think of things raw like energy try- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there you go yeah um,
0: yeah, but yeah, you're right. There's not labels that really capture scenes in sort of any real way. Well, the metal scene captured by di- Diabolic Force and Enigma, or is it Enigma? But whatever that, whatever that other metal label is, but they did a pretty good job of. What is it? Let me look it up on the Mal Havoc tape.
1: What is that? Epidemic.
0: Right? Epidemic. That's it. Yeah, I can't read it. Yeah. on my glasses on. Yeah, am on. Um. That Mal Havoc tape is stuck now. Okay,
1: um, but yeah, <laughs> they did a pretty good job about
0: capturing those scenes.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I just it's it's whenever I see stuff like this where it's you know, I don't know. I, I essentially I'm just saying like I really like when things are documented in this way and geographically. I think it works. Well, that's why I think Vancouver is like
0: that. City punch is way above its weight when it comes to music.
1: Yeah, like, well, I think you guys you guys nail it in the sort of in discussing it. I, I can't disagree. I think some of the, especially the on record, like some of those records are excellent. Yeah, and he
0: and he's really dismissive of, of like the enigmas and brilliant orange and like his own band even. Um, but like you know, and and obviously like that first wave of stuff is fucking ridiculous. But like this second wave stuff is pretty awesome too.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I don't know as much about that stuff personally, but you know, those, like, you, the things you discuss are insane, um, it's just, yeah, it's nuts, it's like, you are correct, like, of this era, it's kind of wild that, you know, the, the amount of that gets put out, and, and, and the fact that, you know, it doesn't get discussed, in my opinion, anyway, on the level of, you know, well, what he says is New York and LA, I don't think it even gets discussed on a level of I think it's way below any other there's a lot of other cities that get talked about Um, often major US cities for good reason it's not to say there's not great music but you know I I don't know I look at this run of quintessence stuff and it's very very strong and I don't know why well I don't know this is us being like the underdog Canadian thing or something I I don't know if I'm going to go there but yeah I just don't get why there isn't more about it that's all
0: Yeah. Like there's, I I think it's just one of those things where it's, it, you know, like we don't have uh, a very good history in Canada of, you know, recording music history. Yeah. Underground especially. But like you go through the underground history of Canada, of music in Canada, there's like so many fucking awesome stories and so many incredibly important bands globally. Um, that do get celebrated in other places in a greater way than I they get celebrated here. Like blasphemy is like, you know, <laughs> yeah. internationally a top tier band, but like here it's just like kind of like a, a footnote of a footnote. Like that's a band that like, like, you know, obviously it'd be fucking ridiculous for the Junos to honor them, but would it be, <laughs> Yeah, you know, or yeah. slaughter or sacrifice, you know, like, how about honoring something kind of cool for once
1: <laughs> yeah this is uh but even I think like even the the, like, the group we're discussing like the the person you interviewed, I think slow is an interesting one to I think it's interesting they're back, yeah, I'm curious to see what that would be like live now i missed we missed it in Toronto they played last
0: week, and unfortunately uh I was dealing with some stuff around um w- with my mom's stuff uh when yeah. um but uh I couldn't make it out to the show, unfortunately, but it was a, uh, I don't know, apparently they're, they're, they're like an amazing band, like a live band. That's still like a great live band.
1: But yeah, you know, like how many groups like this are there in our, you know, in our, uh, whatever recent history, so to speak. I like it. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to picture about a band that like
0: had this kind of impact cause they definitely had an impact, right? Like, uh, but with so few releases,
1: Yeah, it is wild. Like, in the resource, when you look it up, I didn't expect... I thought it would be a bunch. It's, like, really only basically an EP and a 7-inch.
0: Yeah, and then there's, like, a couple comps.
1: Oh, whoa, they're on
0: an Undergrowth Records comp. I I should have looked this up. (laughs) Oh, that's, like, their first appearance on this Undergrowth Record comp. Whoa, look at this lineup of fucking this comp, Chris.
1: Yeah, I just pulled it up. No means no, first two, huh.
0: Dude, skinny puppies on this,
1: oh yeah, because I'm looking at oh <laughs> more than one tape yes
0: oh, there's the sudden impact he was talking about. no, this is the Toronto sudden impact that's on the tape, huh that's wild death sentence
1: yeah it's it's wild like this came out in eighty four Wow. Cassette comp from 84. It's surprisingly not that uh, pricey. How much, do they have copies for sale? No, not presently. No,
0: though. yeah. No, I think that probably is like one person put one up. <laughs> and then was like, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Sold <Yep>. in seconds.
1: <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. Wild comp. I don't know anything about it, but that is funny. Skinny puppy. that's <laughs>
0: Oh, I thought they were on that Christmas... Oh, they are on that Christmas Flexi. I still need to slow, get that.
1: Slow is? Yeah. Christmas
0: Flexi. Oh, it's only 19 bucks.
1: Well, there you go. Man. I hate buying Flexis, though. Especially ones used. You never know how badly they're going to be worked in.
0: Yeah. It's a hard, hard thing to kind of put down a lot of money on. Though... I I have been ridiculous in the past about buying flexies for a lot of money, so I'm no position to judge anyone that does.
1: <laughs> precedent has been set.
0: Yeah. Precedent has been set. Ridiculous. Ridiculous precedent has been set.
1: Where uh where else do you want to go with uh the the talking points? I guess for?
0: we could talk about Vancouver as the third scene and like what like what are the best punk scenes? Like we're going to talk about first wave. We're not going to get into hardcore because I think hardcore is a much more complicated kind of conversation. Whereas like, you know, first wave kind of punk, you can judge just on the strength of kind of like catchy songwriting.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't know what the top says would be. I mean. Well, no, obviously New York and
0: L.A., right? You got all those Danger House singles. Sure. Uh, you
1: know, but like. Ah, you like do not, would you not put good vibrations in that? Category two, though? Yeah, you're right. So you have to say... Or whatever. No, like, I don't know what, what eras of no future. Or, like, uh, try to think of, like, Stiff or, like... Uh, I don't think, st- like, Stiff, obviously, but, like, London, you
0: would say London. Yeah. Because, like, there's, like, just, like, the damn, the sex pistols, the clash, like, all that kind of stuff. But, like, but then I'm thinking, like, population-wise, right? Like, London is a fucking massive city. New York is massive. L.A. is massive. Vancouver's not that big.
1: Yeah, and especially then, as opposed to now. Yeah, yeah. Um, not that it's huge now, but you know, I yeah, it pales in comparison for sure. Yeah, like um, I like. I would also say
0: Seattle. Like that would like, you know, like the that all those No. Three singles are awesome.
1: Well, I think what I believe. I don't know. Maybe I'm mistaken. This, but. I think Vancouver is sort of, you know, obviously it's separate. But, you know, if you take the Pacific Northwest in general and Vancouver, I mean, Seattle, of course, you have the grunge thing historically or whatever. But I think like the Pacific Northwest and Vancouver in general are kind of, uh, what's the word, are not given as much attention as the other things you're mentioning. It's something to that geographical part of the world. I mean again, grunge aside in the sense of like yeah, you know, obviously everyone or whatever, not everyone, but industry went nuts about Seattle in like whatever the early to mid nineties, but if you look at the what you're discussing, I think that area of the world does not get like, even even in the Jerry a episode he's talking about the wipers being you know a fairly under appreciated group, yeah, I <laughs> mean so there's just precedent of this time. And again, I think in these areas for whatever reason, I've Well,
0: been. when you hear D seven by the wipers and you're like, man, like, you know, and then it's like the, the, you know, there's straight up stories about the Melvin's bringing them to see, you know, like Dale bringing Kurt to see the wipers play live, you know, and like, you know, that's a template for what Nirvana sounds like right there. So like, clearly the wipers have had a massive influence even just through that one band.
1: Well, and I think now you see it, but I still think like you know, are people talking about you know, you know, you know? People don't talk about Portland to me, uh, like in terms of, uh, like what you're discussing against like Danger House or something. It's kind yeah. of a difficult yeah. one because Danger House is you know perfection. It's hard to really <laughs> like mess. Well, with I it don't up. know. Like, would you? I'm saying song
0: for song. Let's call up the quintessence discogs. <laughs> yeah. And put it against the, uh, uh, um, uh, Danger House. Discogs.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Oh. Nope. I don't have it yet. <laughs> Did you have it?
1: Yeah, I have both. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, let's start going through it. What's each one's number one?
1: I don't think it has this organized correct because I don't think that you do
0: well. Let's just do it by year. The
1: black, the black Randy isn't the first release they did, is it? I think it might trouble be. at the cop. I don't think that's the first one, is it? Might be. I think it is. Maybe. Okay. Well, if it has it in the correct order, okay. I don't know that too well, but uh, I, it's a, it's a cool single. You know, it might
0: it might might be better than that A V E P. Thing which is admittedly not my favorite record that that label put out. <laughs> that DOA 7-inch, though, where does that rack up? What, uh, that record's fucking amazing. The Prisoner?
1: Yeah, but it's the not... Prisoner! Is it, you know, but is it better than that Avengers? Is it better than the Dills? Is it better well, than is like it better Dills than right X? now,
0: especially, is a hard one to talk about because, you know, like the recent passing, of course, Yeah. Um, you know... It, so how do I get the correct order of this Dangerous
1: thing? I think it's just if you do by year. I just thought it didn't seem like that was the first one, but I might have been wrong. Yeah, okay.
0: Um, you know, like, I don't know. That DOA record's pretty amazing. That Subhumans record's fucking incredible. The, the Point of Sticks record's like, those are really catchy songs. That Modern X record... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, and I think there's some really amazing stuff here. I don't think that Adult Books is the best X record. You know, I think We're Desperate is an amazing song, uh, and I think it's like a it's a a great foretelling of hardcore kind of thing in the same way that Bag Survive is like a hardcore song. But you know, are
1: they catchier? Then mm, I don't know. I think the Avengers is as i think avengers is stronger than some of that stuff but you're right it's regardless of doing it even release for release one thing you are even already showing is that yeah this quintessence stuff is is stacks up if not better at points like pretty much equal to favorably you know, against any of that stuff. So. Well, there's a lot
0: more quintessence releases. Like, you know, maybe I shouldn't yeah. be comparing them side by side. Like that's, yeah. that's a dumb kind of debate because it is like one of the greatest punk labels of all time. Um, and aesthetically it's perfect, but like also these quintessence records look fucking great. Not all of them still perfect youth has one of the worst covers ever. The point six record, he's got yeah, become was- classic
1: in his badness. I think. Yeah, but at the same... Yeah. it Yes, but it's not... Yeah, no, it sucks. But <laughs> it's a good LP, though. Um,
0: Great LP. It's like an amazing uh, record, but the art is just like... Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I mean, it's more weird. Not, than, it's not
1: FOD bad, but it's bad. Yeah. Um, what but, is this Blue Northern? Like, I don't know this record at all. Yeah, this one I don't know either. Isn't it funny, though? There's always these... <laughs> There's always these few records here and again on these like infamous things I don't know. Yeah, this is well, also Polydor also. Wow. This is one of those
0: records that like you know you buy like that what's a psychedelic rock record on mother. That now people want, but like at the same time you're like, "Oh, wow. I found this record on mother and then you put it on and you're like uh like you're like, "Oh, wow, I found this Quintessence record and then you're like put it on, and you're like Oh, there's a fiddle on it. Oh, there's a pedal steel guitar. <laughs> oh, there's I don't a know percussion.
1: UJ3RK5.
0: Oh, that's, that band's fucking awesome.
1: It's a cool looking record. Yeah. I just don't know anything about it. That Coverboy single, I also think it looks amazing. I don't have It does. It single, but. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, though. For the most part, it does. Like the Modernette's cover's great. Young Canadians' record even looks cool. All those pointed
0: six, seven inches, I always thought it was
1: great. Out. K tels is cool. It's I do think, I think that first
0: Point and Six, like, also, that's the other thing. It's like so, so many good records on this by like bands, like young Canadians, like counting the K tel seven inch, did like three great records.
1: Yep.
0: You know, Point and Six did what, three on this label? Well, including the LP four, five, you include that seven inch American song. Yep. And it's, it's like, wow, there's like Vancouver for a city of that population. Put out a ton of stuff.
1: Agreed. I that's I have no debate there. One hundred percent. I'm with you on that. I'd never really thought about framing it in such a like a I I always liked the quintessence of it. I never thought about stacking it up against some of the other whatever cities or catalogs. And it it's just seeing it side by side. Yeah, it holds up.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's only one label. There's also Friends Records that did yeah other stuff. And then there's you know other others but anyway chris do we have any
1: more points to get to tonight um i think we're pretty good i just wanted to whip through here and see if there was anything else the like just the not a major time but just that black flag audition story thing is hilarious it's the best audition sto- i like I, that's one of my favorite stories we've ever had told in the show yeah it's incredible all the stories <laughs>
0: about that guy sound amazing
1: True. (laughs) It made me go and
0: listen to Painted Willie.
1: (laughs) And, uh, yeah, no, I I think I'm good on everything else. I think we touched on it pretty much everything I wanted to, I guess just the psychotic dick bites is an amazing band. (laughs) Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm good on everything. I don't know unless you wanted to touch on something.
0: No, I'm sure there's stuff we've forgotten, but that's what footnotes next week is for. Yeah. Um, I guess that's it. Chris, how do they get in touch with us here to send
1: stuff to our mailbag? You can reach us at turnedoutapunkfootnotes at com. And we will be back next
0: week with a conversation about uh, Sam Bean from Iron & Wine. Are you an Iron & Wine fan at all,
1: Chris? Yeah, I like some of the stuff, like the early stuff I like in particular, but yeah. We'll get I mean, ready this year. Yeah, what? Uh, where are you going to go with that?
0: It's it's going to be a good one. It's it. There's some cool connections. There's some surprise connections on this one. All right, nice. Uh, but that is next week on the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can find me on various forms of social media at Leftford Damian. Uh, if you'd like to support this podcast, please give it a rating or uh, subscribe to it and follow it on whatever podcast format you are listening to this thing on right now. And uh, yeah, that's it. Buy us those records. Baby Gopal on pink and homies <laughs> on vinyl by, by Insane Clown Posse. That would be a great way to support the show. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next
2: week.